0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Justice. We've got some very dynamic guests today, and we'll be right back, so stay tuned. morning. Welcome to Let's Talk Justice, another in the series of our front porch conversation on biblical and social justice. Today we have with us Freddie Villarillo, the pastor of Freedom Life Church, and also Courtney Beard, uh, the pastor of the San Antonio campus of Freedom Life Church. Uh, welcome, gentlemen.
2: Hey, how are you? Thank you, Really Good to be here.
0: Good, good. All right. Well, first off, we're going to have you guys tell the folks a little bit about yourself and about where you are and uh, about Freedom Life Church. And, you know, cause I know folks out there clam want to know a little bit about it and want to know about this dynamic ministry you, you guys are part of and you're in Hampton and San Antonio. And, and I guess you're getting ready to go to Europe next, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Courtney, you want to start, buddy?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I, I get, I get the, the, the cool opportunity of uh, bringing Freedom Life Church to San Antonio. Uh, You know, we we always say that we are one church in two locations. Uh, Pastor Freddie, he functions as our senior pastor over both campuses. And, you know, I'm a native of Virginia. I'm a native of Hampton. And uh, for some strange reason, we said yes to come out here to San Antonio, Texas, where there's a lot of great food, a lot of tremendous people. We have the San Antonio Spurs, but we don't have the ocean. So I kind of miss the ocean, but hey, it's all right because we're out here and God is doing some really, really cool stuff. It's really cool to live in a city that has so much happening, but still has a small town feel. And that's with every heartbeat that I meet here in this city. It's one of the coolest things ever.
1: Freddie? Yeah. So uh, I'm a senior pastor and signing pastor of uh, Freedom Life Church. We started in Hampton in 2004. And, uh, you know, we have been going since, and, like, a few years ago, we were to down to the San Antonio campus, and basically that just happened through the military connections, and we saw a lot of folks from the military that were either from San Antonio or back to San Antonio, and, and really we realized that a lot of people were reached. the Lord. Uh in the military, them out as missionaries around the world. when they get transferred out here, they believe Jesus here. They they just said, Hey, okay. let's let's do that. Let's get in some metropolitan cities with lots of military presence and keep sharing the gospel. So Okay.
0: Great. Well, for, well Courtney, one one of the things one reason. Well, one way you can solve that whole thing about the water, uh, we'll ship you a bathtub down there with a <laughs> with a sailboat, you know. So that'll take care of that situation.
2: Hey man, yeah. I'll take you, do me a favor, send some of that Buckroe Beach water in. And send me a few jugs of that stuff too.
0: No, you may want to come back then. So we'll
1: keep... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, we got
0: to keep, keep you where you are. Keep you where you are because I, I saw a. Uh, a video, a live shot where you guys were going into your new digs down there in uh, yeah. San Antonio. And I was like, wow, man, like, yeah, this is really stretching out. Tell us about that.
2: Man, it, it's been a fun process. I'll, I'll tell you what, we have uh, not had a, a steady home that we could call our own. We've been gracious enough to rent from a church in the share space with them. And we've been utilizing Saturday nights, but we've been praying for a space that we could call our own, that we could leave things up. We've been very mobile. And so we went into a prayer season last year, Uh, you know, myself, Pastor Freddie, our elders. And then in January, it's so funny, I launched into a fast. I had no clue Pastor Freddie was fasting as well. But in the middle of the fast, we got a call about this building, and it was exactly what we prayed for. And, man, it's really been a blessing because we're watching not just the building be, be renovated. I'm watching myself be renovated. I'm watching myself being stretched in this process. Because, you know, you have to get contractors and find volunteers and, you know, one of the best guess there, the ceilings were painted black and that looks great. So walking through this building and now watching people walk through in amazement, like, wow, man, this is our space. This is where people are going to come to meet Jesus. This is where people can come and find refuge. That's what's going to be great, knowing that seven days a week, 24 hours, that that building will be accessible for someone to have their life changed. That right there is worth it all, and so it's been a cool process. I'm smiling, you know. Some some moments I'm praying a little bit more more than, than often, saying, "Lord, you got to give me some wisdom." But I have great people, I have great mentors, great pastors that can lean in and tell me, give me some great advice. So I'm, I'm enjoying
0: it. Wow, that that's 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 marvelous. I, I was happy when I saw it, and you make me even happier now. That maybe I have to come through San Antonio this summer when I go out that way. And, uh, oh man, come on, and- man. We.
2: We we got you. We'll, we'll we'll give you some tacos with some barbacoa and some other things. We'll we'll send you back nice nice and
0: round. Oh Lord, 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 Lord yes, let do. me back up here. <laughs> yeah, Freddie, awesome. uh, you, Yeah, Freddie, you're doing some dynamic things here. And also, uh, uh, tell us about that that uh, the pastoring you're doing, the, the teaching pastoring you're doing up in Chicago.
1: Yeah, so. We, you know, we have a. Can you hear me better now, Charles? I stepped outside because sometimes my, my reception in the house is not as great, but. Yes, good. Okay, cool. So, uh yeah, so we have a teaching team, philosophy of freedom life. You know, part of being a diverse church is having different people share from different perspectives. And so that really frees me up to be, uh, you know, available to kingdom contributions. And my mentor pastor was at a church called the Chapel in Chicago, and a while back invited me to be a part of that teaching team. So, in addition to being. Uh, the senior pastor and leading the Hampton campus and then being able to get down there and pour some gasoline on that fire Courtney has going in San Antonio <laughs> I've the opportunity to fly up to Chicago and preach at the chapel about once every four to six weeks so it kind of it's great because I get to build relationships around the country and kind of get to see a national perspective of what God is doing like on a national landscape which is really exciting so um, but yeah it's been a real blessing for me to be able to be up there and be a part of that church as well. Oh, good.
0: Well, you know, one of the things we want to get into today, uh, talk about, uh, and I, we've had some brief conversations about uh, how you're managing the, you know, these multi-campus sites and with these diverse con- congregations, uh, ethnically, uh, politically, socially, I mean, they're just all across the board. And how, how are you ministering to, to such diverse congregations?
1: Well, uh, Courtney, do you want to jump in, or do you want me to start on this one? What do you want to do? Oh, You can kick it off, Rev. Okay. Uh, well, I know that uh, Pastor Courtney has been really instrumental in, in that with us and building relationship, but really all of our staff have because, you know, God has just brought us a diverse team. You know, we have a multicultural team, a multi generational team as well. And I think that one of the things that, that we have seen the beauty of is, um, you know, really understanding the strength of, being multicultural doesn't just mean multiracial But actually people who, who have different Backgrounds and different, different Cultural mindsets being able to come Together and, and, and build on The diversity of one another and I think that It just requires a lot of intentionality or it Requires a lot of grace It requires a really finding a, a A unique and purpose sound In the worship experience and I think that Honestly uh, we just you know We just know that the, the, the church should look Like the community and in our communities it's funny because the Hampton community is very different than the San Antonio community, but we still see some of the same tensions when it comes to the local church and that you know, churches tend to be very one culture or another, one race or another. And we just said, you know, that's not what heaven's going to look like, and we're going to have to get over ourselves and figure out how to be a part of the solution now. And I think really to bring credibility to the kingdom of God. You know, we have a lot of national conversations happening right now, about the the racial climate and the tensions that are caused by that still in our nation today. And unfortunately, sadly, the church doesn't have a loud voice in that because the church is still the most segregated hour in, in America, like Dr. King said, over 30 years ago. And um, so, you know, that's just kind of been part of our journey. And I think intentionality, honest dialogue, um, you know, just making tough decisions that we knew would cost, but say, hey, you know, we, we are more interested in looking like the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven uh, than we are in, in, in keeping things status quo. And that's been a journey for us for about the past five and a half years now.
0: Yeah. Courtney, you want to add to that?
2: Yeah, I I, I think one of the most brilliant things that uh, Pastor Freddie did when I first came on staff about six, almost seven years ago and I was the first uh, you know, African-American you, you know, that's, uh, or black person on staff, one of the things that we did is we would go to lunch and we would all leave our titles. And you know, we're not big at Freedom Life on titles. We, we, we honor each other. We go out of our way to honor each other, but we're not hung up on each other's title. One of the things we do at lunch is we leave our titles in the car and we just talk about tensions that no one was talking about when it came to race. We knew we wanted to have a multicultural congregation. That was the idea that Pastor Freddie was moving the church in the direction of. Well, in order for that to happen, I'm African-American. Pastor Freddie's Hispanic. He's Mexican. And uh, Pastor Chris who was there with us, he was a white guy. We had to have honest dialogue. Some of the dialogues were about our own bias. Some of the dialogues were about jokes we'd heard come, you, know, you you'd know, hear coming up. But we'd walk into a lunchroom looking like a walk-in bar joke, like a black guy, white guy, and a Mexican guy walking to a bar. That was us. We were actually walking through that <laughs> <Yeah>. restaurant.
1: <laughs> but
2: we had honest dialogue. You know, hey man, could you explain to me why, you know, in the black culture you or in the Mexican culture, why are you in the white culture? And when we listen to each other's heart, give each other room to ask questions so that way we could be educated, that was the biggest thing I think that helped because if we couldn't get our diversity together between the three of us, how on earth did we expect to unite a community if we weren't willing to feel the tension first and to have those dialogues.
0: So, so getting back, going back a little bit on something you said, Freddie was uh, in terms of uh, the intentionality in, in the church and and bringing folks together. And when you have in your services, obviously when when I look at them uh, there, there is a lot of diversity there. I mean, just totally from some of the people I know and see there and, and even if I didn't know them just looking at the the dynamics and the makeup of congregations that uh that worship with you guys, how in terms of presentation do you navigate that and and what are the the, the feedback that, what is the feedback or the drawbacks that are uh that come out of those type of um t- intentionality uh as you spoke to uh worship styles uh
1: yeah, I think um you know I think it started with uh, the key for me for everything for the body of Christ is relationship. Relationship relationship relationship. And and I think honestly personally and then congregationally it goes back to relationship. And and honestly part of what we did at the beginning is I I I leaned on the relationships I had with pastors of other churches. Uh there are a lot of churches in our area. And, you know, many of them are either predominantly black, predominantly white, or predominantly Hispanic based on a, a people group who, have, you know, are are in the region for work or whatever. And, and so asking the questions or visiting the churches and having all this dialogue and saying, what's distinct about this expression of church versus that expression of church? And really, really leaning into, well, how do we find a medium point there? How do we find a place where everyone can show up and say, I'm familiar with this, but I – it's not completely what I'm used to because, in order for diversity to happen, everybody has to be willing to give up something. Um, that was just again, relationship. sitting down with pastors and saying, Hey, can we have an honest dialogue? What do you, what does your church do differently than the church across the street, or what does your church stand differently than my church? Tell me when you have visited my church, what stuck out to you, and then and I think that relationship extended to, like Courtney mentioned, you know, having people in your home and having these dialogues. You know, one of the things that we talk about in terms of, of, of racism is, or, or diversity is you, you'll know how diverse you are by how your, how your dogs react to different people that come to your house. Oh, yeah. you know, Dogs and kids are the number one indicator because you know, when you have a multicultural presence in your home, your dogs are going to relate to everybody the same, but when you don't, they freak out when somebody shows up who doesn't look like what's normally there. And your kids are mm-hmm. the same way. Little babies, man, you know, the babies, <laughs> they will go to anybody, but quickly they begin right. learning who, they're, who to be familiar with. And so those are great mm-hmm. indicators because a lot of times people say, "Well, I'm diverse," you know. I, I believe in being multicultural and this and that. And it's like, man, the real indicators are, <laughs> are the things that, that are catching yeah. what we're doing specifically, taught, per se. But I think it all comes back to relationship, and then that then bleeds into the congregation. You know, challenging the congregation: Are you in relationship with people who don't look like you, or talk like you, or dress like you? Are you are you are you willing to move past social media when that argument shows up? about politics and say, hey, can we meet for lunch instead of go back and forth on a post on Facebook? You know, can we can we just look at each other in the eye, remember we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and share our perspective with one another? Uh, does that answer your question?
0: It, it, it more than answers the question. It, it, it's really there. But Courtney, down in San Antonio, when you, when you all, uh, as you all planted that church and as you're growing now, I, I see – what has been the, the strain in terms of um, that whole multicultural uh, or, and ma- navigating those differences within the uh, San Antonio area?
2: Right. I, I think, you know, for me, I, I was forced to I, I love running at warp speed and I was forced okay. to slow down tremendously to just learn the culture. San Antonio is a very proud city, very proud of its heritage, very proud of its community, very proud of its culture. So the one thing that I realized coming in is that if I just uh, uh, walked into the city with my Virginia 757 mind, and I came in and just wanted to share my own African-American experience, I was not only going to disrespect the uh, city, but I was going to alienate myself from all of the gold and the brilliance of the city. And so I had to slow down and simply just learn what it was like to be a San Antonian. So I had to go to uh, festivals and I went around and I began to learn the pace of the city, the language of the city, what this means, what that means. So that way, When I began to start having conversations about diversity, I first was showing myself to be open to diversity. The next thing is you're not gonna find a friendlier city than San Antonio. So when you're walking through the grocery store and you say hello to someone, there's nothing to stop and start exchanging conversation. And I literally, you know, we started opening up more dialogue with people in the community. I literally started praying and got our team praying for diversity. And that was at the forefront of my mind. How diverse can we get this church? And I'm proud to say now that we lead a very diverse, one of the most diverse churches in the city right now is Freedom Life Church San Antonio. That came with the word we've been using the entire show, intentionality, a lot of conversations. And here, because now I'm new to this this vastly Hispanic Mexican heritage culture, now I was the one who was in the seat of learning. Now I'm the one who's being educated and I'm surrounded by people that give me space to know my heart and say, ask all the questions you like. That's how we've been able to navigate to grow this, to being diverse.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And, and,
2: and, uh, and, ahead, if ahead. I can jump in one more time, what Pastor Freddie said, he he said it so quickly, but it was a major key, which is if you want diversity, it starts by who you're inviting into your home. I had to start sitting down and having meals in my home with people so that way we could become family or else I'm just using them to create this picture of what diversity looks like as opposed to creating scenarios where we can now start investing in each other.
0: Hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. How, let me ask this question uh, in terms of this whole thing with social justice and biblical justice both really kind of tie into each other. Uh, How are you dealing with these justice issues in terms of poverty and racism and uh, in terms of hopelessness in the communities? And even within your congregation, does that raise its head at all or or occasionally or or are you more intentional in addressing it so people, people feel comfortable discussing those issues?
1: Yeah, I, that's a great question, uh, Charles. I think one of the things we realize as we begin to get more and more vocal, more and more uh, engaged in, in things that were taking place on a national landscape is how much we still have to work on diversity. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. truly helped me understand, <laughs> and we might have multiple skin tones in our congregation every weekend, but, man, we really have to create a dialogue, a conversation for our congregants who are from very different backgrounds, very different lifestyles, who can worship the same Jesus in the same church, singing the same songs, but then get on social media and have very different perspectives of things like police brutality or injustice or mass incarceration. And and it really fell on me. I said, man, I have deceived myself. I thought we were really much healthier in this than we are because we have avoided some very critical dialogues that I didn't even realize how much we needed to have. And so we've become far more vocal about those things, far more engaged with our community. And really at first some people had to leave there. Some people just didn't, couldn't make that transition. And, and and gracefully we blessed that. And we just said, Hey, look, we're not backing down. So if that means you need to move on, that's, 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 that we don't desire to chase anybody out, but we're not, what we are realizing is there's another, Topic that we have to be Proactive about as a church Because I had made some assumptions That were, were critically wrong And you know In that we saw another another wave of Dialogue and I, we'll, get, we'll get more About this particularly at our Plenary session at the conference at the Mid-Atlantic Regional Justice Conference about some of the Lessons that we learned through that and our Breakout sessions as well in fact uh, off, One of the officers uh, Of the hands of who's been A part of our church through this whole journey I've actually invited him to jump in into the breakout session with Pastor Courtney and I just to do a little dialogue about what it was like for him as a white police officer in our church uh, walking through a multicultural tension while his pastor is speaking up about the injustice that we're seeing at the hands of police officers across our country. And and he really, really navigated all that well, helped me navigate it well, but we didn't soften that dialogue. We didn't back off of that. And it was just amazing. And I asked him once, "Why? how do you make it through this? And I look forward to him being able to share some of his experiences as well as many of the other officers in our church and how, how they've walked through that as well as they see their pastor getting more and more engaged purposefully in these dialogues. And us and as a church getting more involved in our community. So um, so some of this I'm going to say for the conference, but I hope that that, that speaks to – you know, the, the the reality, as far as we went, we realized we still have a lot of work to do.
0: <laughs> and we all do. We all do. And Courtney, are you facing the same issues down there?
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely, because especially uh, with, with the climate of walking through our latest uh, uh, presidential race and uh, being uh, the culture that, that we are, we're seeing so many different thought patterns on this. And we're in the middle of a message series now called Ink, And we are really hanging out on that Micah 6-8 where, you know, the three things we're talking about are act justly, love mercy, love mercy and walk humbly. And we're learning what it's like to uh, teach uh, each other how to act justly and how to love mercy and how to walk humbly. And the biggest challenge that I'm finding is that we're having to challenge each other to say, would you be open to the idea that your experience may not be the entire story, but if you're willing to be educated through dialogue and relationship, if you would just lend me a portion of your heart to hear me out, we can grow together. And I agree with Pastor Freddie. You know, I I think we we both probably thought, oh man, you know, we've we've come a long way and then something happens and you say, oh my Lord, we have so much further to go. (laughs) But you know what it means to me? It means that we're still reaching real people. And it still means to me that people are still willing to come in to listen. People are still willing to come and call us pastors that they don't look like us. They don't sound like us and they don't have the same story, but they're willing to be stretched in the process. Sure. A lot of people left, but so many more have joined and said, I'm willing yeah. to be stretched. That matters. That's true.
0: Well, let me, let me, as you guys talking, I, I was, jotting down a couple of words like love and hope and dignity and faith and outreach. So I'm, I'm going to hit the word outreach and what are you guys doing in terms of reaching out to the community? Because uh, one of the things I've seen is easy to, to get comfortable with the flock that you have in front of you while on the outside around you is crumbling. Uh, what, do you, what do you do in terms of reaching out to others uh, within the com- communities that surround you?
1: Uh, that's that's a great question, and that's something that we have really realized, you know, more and more that, that that churches, and our church in particular, can be really great at gathering while being not so great at sending at the same time. And we mm-hmm. want to be a church that is a church of both gathering and sending. And so, one of the things that we jumped on early was, and I think, like most churches, you know, man, let's let's get a program going, let's get let's get this thing going, let's launch this thing, and and we went to there's a school right across the street from our Hampton campus. I'm sorry, there's some jets flying over right now, but. um there's a uh, school right across, the, right across the street from us, and we're in a relationship with this school. And I remember talking to the principal, and I, and I just said, what's your biggest challenge? And she said, well, one of them is the amount of kids reading on grade level. And we all know, if anybody hasn't seen 13th, you need to watch it, the documentary on Netflix, but you can read this about this in the prison, to or cradle to prison pipeline study. I mean, everybody, it's common knowledge now that illiteracy rates at third grade are the number one indicator in where people are building privatized prisons because they know that the future of those kids is going to be incarceration. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with it happening in my backyard. And so my first gut reaction, like probably any pastor, was we're going to start a tutoring program for our elementary school across the street from us. We want all the kids reading on grade level. So I I went over there with this grand plan, and I realized something very quickly. (laughs) There are a lot of churches or a lot of organizations that were all the right intention, do exactly what I did, come assuming that I had the best plan or, the, the, the you know, man, my heart is convict, so I want to go do something. And in one conversation I realized that needs to change to a posture of, excuse me, principal, what do you have in place or what programs would you like to see that we could partner with what you're already doing? And as soon as we were willing to take the name Freedom Life Church off of it, We actually could see a lot of progress very quickly because these educators are vested in these kids. These principals, they know what could work for their school, and for me to show up, with the assuming I had the plan, (laughs) it's arrogant. And so instead, what we've done is said, let us partner with what you want to do as a principal for your school. And so we helped fund their tutoring program. We helped provide volunteers for their tutoring program. But it's not the Freedom Life Church tutoring program. It is – that elementary school's tutoring program, and we are simply adding and resourcing it. And most recently I've been in dialogue with the city manager of Hampton about how we can do something even bigger if we're willing to take our church's name off of it. We can open a lot of doors to actually make real impact. So we're launching something called the Hampton Opportunities Initiative, and we're going to be partnering with the city to try to do things like this where every Every elementary school in our city can have a funded tutoring program like that we're, we're, we're youth initiatives for, for, for addressing violence, where we are simply a conduit of resources to partner with what the city already has in place. And the truth is, if you're willing to take your name off the credit, you can accomplish far more, far, far more effectively for the kingdom. And so that's what we're doing right now is saying, how do we be a part of a bigger solution where Jesus will be glorified and the gospel will be demonstrated? And the proclamation is in the demonstration. And are we okay with that if our name isn't on something? And we're absolutely fine with that. So that's something we have had to learn, and we're growing more and more in that. And we're right on the front end of it right now. So I look forward to learning and growing about what that looks like too.
2: <laughs> that, there's a chance we may have lost them there. Hello? I think we are may have lost Oh, man. I think we, we may have lost them, but we're still running oh, well, on the show. One of the things that, that I was going to th- throw in there, Rev, is that, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm watching, you know, all that we're accomplishing in Hampton, and we're the a different legacy state here in San Antonio. And so we're, we're working with other churches, and what we have the Move Network here, here in San Antonio, we're, we're at the point that I remember you doing so well, which is just investing in people to open up the thought pattern to them being able to live this diversity life. Out loud, we're really building what you call a foundation or a sin team, so that way we can accomplish those things. And one of the ways we're just simply doing it here is through that that Inc. message series, which is opening people up to the thought pattern of something different outside of how we were raised. So that's exciting. Absolutely. So I, I agree. Think, hey. Go,
1: ahead. Go ahead.
2: No, 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 keep going. I think we have about a minute four seconds left. Uh, on the show, if you had to take something in the last minute to share, what would that be, Rev?
1: Well, first, I would just thank Charles for inviting us to be up here, and I think we did experience some technical difficulties uh, with, with his connection. I'm not real sure, but I would just say this is the beginning of a much larger conversation that I'm excited you're going to be here in Hampton at the Mid-Atlantic Regional Justice Conference to share I'm the stage with either. me as we talk about the in the plenary session. And, then, uh, and Pastor Courtney and myself, along with one of the local HPD officers, is we're going to be doing a breakout session. And what we're really going to be focusing on there is all the uh, kind of the mistakes we've made and the lessons we've learned the hard way about being an intentional expression of diversity in the local church. Because I really believe if we're going to get credibility with the, the, the unchurched, it has to start with them being able to look at us and see a model of intentionality in diversity and the
0: strength Absolutely. and the harmony
1: of unity. And so, I don't know. Charles, are you back on yet, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay, there you are. We didn't know if we had lost you, brother. All right, cool.
0: Yeah, it it, it knocked me off there for a minute, but I'm back here. But anyway, uh, we've got about a minute left, and I want to thank you guys for uh, making yourself available today. Uh,
2: Well, thanks for having us. This is really exciting, man. I just... I'm just really excited about being with, I mean, of course, my pastor and being with you, guys who are really just making a difference, man. It, it, it's exciting to walk this out because we're really impacting people.
0: Yeah, well, we look forward to to seeing you, Courtney. I understand that uh, Freedom Life Plus is coming that evening when you guys uh, <laughs> are doing the praise and worship, and
1: so, uh,
0: <laughs> so, so we might have to put – A a 1,000 extra seats, right, Fred? Oh,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see.
0: Well, Well, it will
1: be unforgettable.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it, and lots of folks are excited. Uh, Again, thank you, guys, and uh, we'll have you back on soon, um, and a lot more to talk about uh, because this has been very interesting. So for those who are there listening, uh, thank you for tuning in today to Let's Talk Justice, And sorry about the technical issues. It is what it is. God bless and have a wonderful day.
1: All right. Bye bye. Thank you.